this is a message that I don't want you to just listen to the first part and discard the rest of the message. I'm going somewhere with it. I want you to travel with me. CRT. In the mid-80s, Zundel, a naturalized Canadian of German extraction, was stripped of his citizenship and deported back to Germany. I am a naturalized Canadian, and they can strip me of my citizenship if I do anything that is contrary to their established laws. I'm also a naturalized American, and America can strip me of, its, of my citizenship if I do anything that violates their laws. You would recount just this week uh, some men were convicted of seditious conspiracy. Had they not been born in America, they would have been stripped of their citizenship and extradited to the country of their birth. Zundel was a publisher. He had a small newspaper. And he understood the power of print. And his story was carrying a very ugly theme, but for him it was what he wanted to carry. And Zundel basically said, the Holocaust was a hoax. And he was warned and he got due process. He was prosecuted, convicted, stripped, and deported. This man was telling us that the Holocaust never happened. You could visit Treblinka, Auschwitz, or any one of the death camps. You can see evidence of an atrocity. But Zundel knew something. And what he knew is that if you repeat a lie over time, Generation after generation, that lie would then become the truth. CRT. CRT. Developed in 1980, and you may know it as critical race theory. I am not speaking about race, but I'm going someplace. The person credited widely with coining the term is Kimberly Williams Crenshaw, a law professor at UCLA School of Law and Columbia Law School. She posits this is her theory that racial bias is inherent in many parts of Western society, especially in its legal and social institutions. Racial bias was primarily designed for and implemented by people of the Caucasian persuasion. 
Lauren Jackson of the New York Times, in an article published on July 9, 2021, makes the point that critical race theory argues that historical patterns of racism and in, are ingrained in law and other modern institutions, and that the legacies of slavery, segregation, and Jim Crow still create an uneven playing field for black people and other people of color. She asserts that racism is not a matter of individual bigotry, but is systemic in America. In this country, CRT, critical race theory, is taught primarily to law students, not K to 12, it's a graduate level academic course and definitely not designed or taught in the K-12 level. Get this, yet 16 states have already banned CRT and 20 states are considering banning critical race theory from the curriculum. And six states tried to ban CRT, but the measure failed. Why move to ban CRT? There are some books that have been banned. Let me just cite two. One, when Wilma Rudolph played basketball by Mark Weakland. That book was banned. And it was banned because Wilma Rudolph mentioned, or Weakland rather, mentioned in the book that Rudolph's race kept her back. So that was not information others should know. And then there's a book called The Watsons Go to Birmingham by Christopher Paul Curtis. That book was published in 1995 and was banned. Let me tell you what this book was all about. It is about the ordinary interactions and everyday routines of the Watsons, an African-American family living in Flint, Michigan, and drastically changed after they got to visit their grandma in Alabama in the summer of 1963. The book was banned because it spoke about their experience as a family from Flint going down to the south, not knowing the ways. Anybody remembers Emma Till? Lost his life, leaving Chicago and going to Mississippi, not understanding the change. Recently in Florida, a textbook publisher, and I'm not making this up, it's in the New York Times, textbook publisher had to remove all references of race from a lesson about civil rights 
and Rosa Parks in order for the committee in Florida to approve this book. As we know, remember, Parks was the one who sparked the Montgomery bus boycott. Why seek to ban? I want you to look at this video for a few, a few minutes, and then I will continue. Go ahead, Trevor. Um, I was helping my daughter study last night for the Virginia Standards of Learning exam, so I recognize that's above your concern, your, your, your level of authority, but um, I didn't know who to raise my concern to because um, usually I cook and my husband assists my children with their homework, um, but I was feeling a little under the weather, so we reversed roles last night, and I saw that what they were teaching my child was that the the, the status of early Africans was unknown and that they were probably slaves or servants. As a HBCU graduate who knows better, although I lived in Prince William County, I attended Thomas Jefferson High School, so I was not a product of Prince William County schools, but it's one thing to say, we're not going to cover that. It's another thing to lie to my child and say that their history is unknown and that they were probably servants or slaves before they came to America. And I feel like part of this miseducation is the reason for our current country's climate. And the fact that if my child gives an answer other than what's on that paper, that she's considered wrong. So how do I educate my child and teach her that her history is powerful, that her history is amazing, and what her classmates are learning or what they carry with them when they become senior leaders, executives, and feel that it's beneath them to promote someone above them because their ancestors were just slaves, were servants. Right now, I'm working in the CIA as the chief of a group within the Diversity and Inclusion Office, and I'm fighting these battles every day to change minds, to change hearts, to change unconscious bias, because they're not unconscious, they're taught at this age to our children and, our, and their classmates. And I don't know what can be done about that, but I figured I'd start with you all. Because I have three babies, nine, 10, and 11, in Prince William County schools who are being shaped for their future. Father in heaven, as we embark upon this message, CRT, Christ rightly taught. Feed us today, we pray in Jesus' name, that the saints say, Amen. The Apostle Paul went to a place called Mars Hill. 
And he said he met logic with logic, philosophy with philosophy. And after disputing with these learned men, PhDs and brilliant men, he came away with one thing. He said, I would know nothing about you except or save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Christ rightly taught. Growing up in this church, we've always had a tension between these two things, grace, faith, and works, three of them. And we are told of these two natures that we what war within us. And we struggle with how are we saved? What must I do to be saved? And we hear the refrain, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ with all thy heart and thou shalt be saved. And yet, as we traverse in the church, we hear very often there is an emphasis on grace and there's an emphasis on works or what some may call obedience. Christ rightly taught. I want to talk about three things about Christ that if we are teaching him correctly and he is our example, then we should strive to be like these three things I'm going to talk about. The first one is in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. Speaking of Jesus... The apostle writes, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself. And became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So the very first thing about Christ rightly taught is about his submission. Can you say submission? His submission. We are conditioned to think that submitting is very bad. We don't like Paul's writing where it says, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. We don't like that. And there's a reason for it because we only read that part of the verse. We don't read the following verses that say, and likewise he husbands, submit yourselves also unto your wives. But submitting tends to sound like we are being weak. Here is Christ being equal to God was there in the beginning when it says, and let us, Elohim, let us make man in our image. Christ and the Holy Spirit and the Father were together, and yet Christ said, I'm going to submit. So if we are teaching Christ correctly, we're teaching a Christ, even though he was equal, he submitted so that he can do something for us. The word says, very interestingly, 
that he humbled himself. Oh, that's a very strong word. Because humility doesn't come to us naturally. Humility is against our natural disposition. Our disposition is to put our chest in the air and tell ourselves that we are it. The sun rises and sets upon us and everything revolves around us. But it says God, Jesus, in his submission, he humbled himself. That's not natural for us. So if we're going to teach Christ rightly, CRT, Christ rightly taught, then like Christ, we must seek to submit ourselves to Christ. Not only do we see his submission, but Luke 19 tells us something else. It talks about his mission. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. If I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. His mission should be rightly taught. Christ had no other reason for being here than to save us. So it is not only his submission, it is his mission. And when we struggle with how we are saved, I want to take us to a familiar scene. You remember the day Christ died, there were two thieves on either side of him. Do you remember that? One thief asked him to remember him when he comes in the kingdom. And what did Jesus say? Today, this day, what? Mark this day, when I come, you are going to be with me in my kingdom. Do you remember that? Well, let me share something that you may find disturbing. Psalm 116 verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is what? The death of your saints. Let me ask you this question. When you hear that text, do you think of a thief on a cross as a saint? No. We think of people who have been around church a long time. They've done good works. They have a good reputation within and without. And by all earthly measures, these are saints. But Christ says that this thief who died on the cross, his death was precious. Because he got sainthood 
the day, the moment Jesus declared him saved. So here he was as a thief being now given sainthood. His death was precious because Christ was saying, this guy, when he dies, his life is beyond the grave. We like to think, and by the way, let me just say, that thief, Elder Michael, was lucky in that he waited until the ninth hour. Well, we don't know when we'll make our departure. So we shouldn't wait until the ninth hour to say, Lord, save me. We should do it as soon as possible. But the point is, the mission of Christ was to seek and to save. Then comes this wonderful text. Luke 22, verse 42. Christ is really in a bad shape. He's agonizing. The weight of the world is on him. And he's saying, this, this death thing is, is really taking me. And he cries out to God, his father. He said, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Here was his resolution. It was not his will, but the will of the Father. The next time you find yourself in a situation and you're teaching Christ correctly, ask yourself, what is your mission? What is your submission? And what is your resolution? Well, here are some ways in which we can begin to know if we are teaching Christ correctly. We are told, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are what? Spiritual, Restore such one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bury one another's burdens, so and so fulfill the law of Christ. If someone be overtaken in a fault, restore such a one. Christ rightly taught focuses on restoration. Let me say that again. Christ rightly taught focuses on restoration. Restoration is opposite to tearing down, breaking down, destroying. Restoration is about building up. So when I am teaching Christ correctly by my behavior, by my deportment, by my relationship one to the other, I should be about restoration. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. To wit, that God was in Christ 
reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. So Christ rightly taught says, number one, in the symbol of the cross, the vertical is my relationship with God and the horizontal is my relationship with my fellow man. So I should be about reconciliation. I should be about restoration. I should understand that if my enemy is hungry, I should feed him. Those on the side of banning critical race theory have the desire to erase the atrocities of slavery, slavery and perpetual harm of systemic racism. Those on the side of banning critical race theory have the desire to erase the atrocities of slavery and perpetual harm of systemic racism. Do those on the side of distorting the sacrifice of Christ have the desire to tell men and women that they can gain the kingdom if they obey certain laws. They are in effect teaching salvation by works. Now let me go back to the cross. Let me go back to the thief on the cross. We know that that thief was saved only and solely by the sacrifice of Jesus. Nothing he did commended him for salvation. That thief, if he had somehow miraculously been given a pardon, we would have expected that his gratitude for what was done to him would have been a life trying to follow Jesus. Can somebody say amen? But this is the tricky part. This is the tricky part. If he's following Jesus, is he sinless? Question. He's not. He will never be sinless. He is a sinner being saved by grace. And any good thing he does is on account of Jesus working in him and through him. That is why Paul says that we are saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. In other words, when I am doing good, Paul says I can't boast because the goodness I'm doing, it is Christ in me that is causing me to do goodness. So that's why we can't be comparing ourselves with other people. The thief on the cross appreciated the whole aspect 
of Christ's submission, his mission, and his resolution. His resolution is, I am going to do the will of my Father. I am going to submit to Christ. And I am going to be on a mission whereby I'm going to be empowered by Christ to live his life. Christ rightly taught allows me to look at my brother or my sister and even when I may not be doing what they are doing is to appreciate that my job, my position should be one of restoration and reconciliation. Unfortunately, the sinful nature in me wants me to think that I am better than him or her. And so what I do is simply create the contrast as to how good I am compared to the nonsense this person is doing. Christ rightly taught should not leave us confused about grace and works. Paul says, Show me your faith by your works. He did not say that if you show me works, it tells me that you're good enough to, for the kingdom because I am saved only and solely by the sacrifice of Jesus. I must never forget that. Because once I start to think it's about the things I am doing, I will forever be comparing myself with you and thus find myself foolishly thinking that I am better than others. Christ rightly taught is about restoration. It's about humility. It's about submission. It's about resolution. It's about mission. So when we are confronted with how we are living, we need to ask ourselves, are we teaching Christ correctly by the way we relate one to the other? If we keep in the Sabbath, if we're not eating pork, if we're not drinking alcohol, but we are not in the business of restoration and reconciliation, and if a brother be overtaken on the fault and we're not trying to lift that brother up, if we don't understand Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 17, remember what that says? If your brother did you something wrong, what are you supposed to do? The Bible says, go to your brother. Just you and your brother. Not somebody else. Don't call a, a second person or a third person. It says, go to your brother. And if your brother doesn't hear you, then take a second person. We go the second route first. We go to the person first, and then we want to go to the brother. That's not what the Bible says. It says, if your brother did something against you, you go to your brother. If your brother not going to hear you, you take a second person because you're trying to win a brother. And if he still doesn't hear you, then you take somebody else. Then if nothing happens, you bring it to the church. In other words, Christ rightly taught removes us from the gossiping business. Christ rightly taught 
gives us a desire for restoration and reconciliation. That's all we're about. Because that was all Christ is about. He left heaven not because he had nothing to do. If we could have done things that would merit salvation, Christ would have stayed where he was. He didn't have to come. He should have simply said, do X, Y, and Z. Here are ten commandments. Keep them. Once you keep them, you're in. No, he said, you cannot, by your merit, earn salvation. But when I give you salvation, I'm going to empower you how to live like me. And even if you slip, I'm going to empower you to get up. A righteous man, what, falleth how many times? Seven times, but he does what? He gets back up again. That's what we should be all about. Christ rightly taught is about our relationships, one with the other. It's about how we, re we relate to our neighbors, our family members, our friends, and even our enemies, because we may not have enemies, but people may make us out their enemies. Christ says, I still have an obligation to them, because sin made us enemies of God. And Christ decided that he had a mission. He made a resolution. And he humbled himself and was obedient even to the death of the cross. So when we hear CRT and we think of critical race theory and why people are banning books, let us think of Christ rightly taught and why people want to think that or teach that we can work our way to the kingdom. We can never do that. That's a ploy of the devil. And by God's grace, whatever we're doing correctly, let us remember what Paul says, it's not me, it is Christ who dwells in me. That is Christ rightly taught. When I'm doing good, it's not of my goodness because the word is very clear. The heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. May God help us. Thank you so much. May God help us to appreciate the mission of Christ, the submission of Christ, and the resolution of Christ. And may we, like Christ, play something there for me, please. May we, like Christ, commit ourselves to restoration and reconciliation. And may I emphasize, it's hard to reconcile when you're going in this little group and that little group, in this little room and that little room. Go to your brother. That's what the Bible says. That way, you may gain a brother. Father in heaven, we certainly understand why the world is trying to remove the facts. Because over time, if you teach that there was no slavery, after generation upon generation, our great-great-grandchildren, if time permits, will ask what slavery there was never slavery and if we don't teach Christ correctly there will be those who will believe that they have no need of Christ 
that they can simply work their way to the kingdom. Remind us that every day we have an opportunity to teach Christ rightly. May we do so as we walk in our uprisings, our down sittings. When we walk by the way, may our very existence say to the world that Christ is everything. And everything I do that is good, it can only be done because of Christ. He empowers me. It is not my goodness, but his goodness. Keep us in this walk. May we continue to submit, to be resolved. And may we have a mission. And our mission is reconciliation and restoration. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Let the saints all say, Amen.